We're going to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and start in verse 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. And it says, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For you yourselves, or you yourselves, or, let's try that again. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Paul is writing to the church in Thessalonica, and it is an admirable place for him to be able to say that. Because he's confident that the church is paying attention to the times and seasons. I hope as a church we're aware of the time and the season that we live in. The moment that we're, we're sitting in. It's, it's not just for one or two. Uh, though God ordains and sets in place uh, the watching and the, the shepherding, the watchman for the flock. But... It's for the church. It's for the brethren. The brethren should know the times and the season. And he says that they know perfectly the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that the day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. This carries over to today. It is culturally normative uh, to be sober in the daytime. If, if somebody, that's in the book of Acts, we saw this displayed where they spilled out of the upper room and they were thought to be drunk and Peter stands up and says, these are not drunk as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. It is, it is normative in darkness to be intoxicated, to, to in that time frame let down your guard and begin to pursue desires of his flesh. But Paul says, Let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. With your attention for the next few moments, I'd like to teach on this topic, Avoiding Spiritual Slumber. Why don't we set our Bibles to the side and uh, pinch yourself a little bit. Make sure that you're awake and alert and ready to go. And we're going to pray and invite the presence of the Lord into this place. Lord, I thank you for an incredible church, an awesome group of individuals that are gathered here this morning. I pray, Lord, that there would be a, a mindset of focus in this place. Every distraction pushed to the side, every mind focused right now. Lord, I pray that your word would begin to dive and dig into every heart, into the thoughts, God, of our minds. And Lord, correct what needs to be corrected through your word and by your spirit. Begin to tweak and to turn and to change, God, those things inside of each of us that you want to be changed. Help 
us, God, to be sober. Help us to be alert. Help us to be like you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Avoiding spiritual slumber. Now, don't worry. I'm not going to tell you to sleep less. Unless you sleep too much. Then sleep less. It, if, if, you're, if you can't function and can't survive without 10 hours of sleep, we need to have a conversation. That, that, that could be tweaked. That could be altered. I've learned over adulthood, uh, and I, I understand I'm 34. There are some that have far more experience in adulthood than I have. But I've learned through parenting and through life that you need a lot less sleep than you actually think you need. I've also learned that there can absolutely be a spirit that in in the spiritual realm will begin to press on you and make you think you're more fatigued than you are. If that sounds outlandish to you, I, I tell you, there is a spirit world that would desire you to think, man, I'm so tired all the time. If he can get you to accept the fact that you are physically tired when you're not physically tired, you'll begin to coddle this flesh instead of disciplining this flesh. Now, physical sleep is a beautiful thing that the Lord gave us. I am forever frustrated by fighting children to nap when I, as a parent, would love nothing more than a 20 or 30 minute nap. I I can't get that through their heads. I can't help them to understand that the day comes where not only are you going to desire to actually take this nap that's being offered to you, but you're not going to get that nap. It's just not going to happen. I wish, I wish adult lives were structured to take like a two-hour nap in the afternoon. I hear that's a thing in some cultures uh, where they take a, a long lunch. Uh, I believe in the Spanish culture they call it a siesta. And it's, it's normative for people to relax and rest in the middle of the day. But the Bible, the Bible tells us a few things about sleep in Psalm 127 and 2. It says, It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Again, God created and designed the human body to need a time of rest. Your physical batteries need recharge. You cannot run at 100% all the time. You will quickly run down this body. Psalm 4 and 8 says this, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. For thou, Lord, only makest me to dwell in safety. We've been talking about this a lot lately, but it is like peace that we've been talking about. If problems with your sleep are cropping up and you find yourself tossing and turning, your head is on the pillow, you you don't need to begin to look any farther than to the Lord. Begin to ask him, okay, Lord, why is it taking me an hour to go to sleep every night? Why am I, why am I waking up at two in the morning every day, Lord? What is going on here? If there is anxiety and there is a lack of peace when your head hits the pillow, it's an area of life that needs to be surrendered to the Lord. If finances are keeping you awake at night, 
you need to surrender your finances to the Lord. Why? Because God wants you to lay down in peace and sleep because he gives safety. He gives rest to the souls. It is vain for you to eat the bread of sorrows. It's vain for you to sit up late and be anxious and chewing your nails. It's in vain for you to get up early, to get an early start on the day because you're so worried and anxious about something because God has given his beloved sleep. If there's trouble with sleep, take it to the Lord. Now, of course, there are practical things that could be interfering with your sleep. You, uh, if, if, if you have trouble with your sleep, begin to change your life, especially in the evening. Begin to remove some things from your life that are interfering. Begin to pull back and unplug, and you'll see. Maybe you're just drinking too much coffee. Mm-hmm. I learned it was about age 30. I wasn't happy about it. But I can't, I can no longer deny it. I used to be able to just drink coffee up until the point that I went to bed and I could just sleep right through the night. But I, I learned, I learned over a couple of year period that I could not do that. I found I could go to sleep, but I found myself waking up at two in the morning and I would get up and eventually I'd pray and I'd be pacing the basement and eventually I could go back to sleep. But I learned I can't drink a big cup of coffee right before bed. But take it to the Lord, because sleep is something that it's, it's so incredibly challenging in our world. It, it's, it's strange to me in the culture that we live in, the greatest level of modern convenience ever, and yet more people than ever need a pill to go to sleep. I'm, I'm not attacking anybody. I'm not condemning anybody. I, I don't want to, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. But it's, it's the world that we live in. It's the culture that we live in. But God wants us to sleep in peace. We are here today to talk about spiritual slumber. Physical slumber is important. You need to sleep. You need to sleep. But spiritual slumber is a different matter. Spiritual slumber is as important as physical rest. In Matthew chapter 13 and verse 24, Jesus puts forth a parable to them and he says, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came, sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. Jesus told us this parable to demonstrate some points, but... The question bears asking, what if men hadn't slept? This is not a parable about a physical field. This is a parable with spiritual application. And so Jesus is saying that somebody somewhere spiritually fell asleep. And in spiritual slumber, the door was opened for the enemy of the harvest to come in and begin to sow in a field that he had no business being in. It's a risk that we take when we decide to spiritually go to sleep. You are taking great risk when you decide, you know what, spiritually, I can take a nap right now. Now, of course, that sounds outlandish to you because we would never make that decision straight out. 
Nobody in this room would decide just straight out, you know what? Ah, I could just take like a spiritual snooze for five, ten years maybe. It'll be all right. Nothing crazy is going to go wrong. We would never make that decision. We would never choose that course of action. Very shortly before our wedding, I was driving uh, back from Fargo to Jamestown, North Dakota, and it was probably about midnight. And this story will begin to sound familiar to some of you. Uh, I, I was driving and I was just coming over the hill. If you know where Valley City is, I was coming over the hill in Valley City, right by that, that model wind tower that they built super early. And I'm, I'm going down the road. I know that I'm tired, but then the next thing I realize is that my right tires are on the rumble strips of the left side of the road. And then all of a sudden they're not. And only my left tires are on the ground and my right tires are not on the ground. And I remember waking up with tires in the air, car halfway down in the ditch. And at the, the only thing that came to mind, it was the thing that I screamed. It was the thing that I prayed. I screamed the name of Jesus and immediately the car came down, got back on the road. And I'll tell you, I was awake all the way back for the next 40 minutes to my house. It's amazing what crisis can do to wake you up. But it should have never gotten to that point. There's no reason that crisis had to happen. As, as, as somebody working now as a, as a pastor and working as a youth pastor, there's, there's a reason that we, we see these things ahead of time. And people will come to God in crisis all the time. They'll come in desperation. They'll come in emergency. But much of those emergencies are avoidable and can, can be completely gone around if spiritually we just stay awake. We never make that decision, you know what, I'm, I'm just spiritually going to go to sleep. Y'all wake me up right before the rapture, please. But we're lulled into the decision. That steady hum of the tires on the pavement. That, that unchanging white line, white line, white line. That quiet buzz of the radio in the background, the cool blowing of the air conditioner or the heater in your car, it lulls you into sleep. Things about life, they're, they're just so daily. It's, it's so ordinary. It happens every day. It, it comes, the sun comes up, you live your life, the sun goes down. The sun comes up again tomorrow and over the course of day after day after day, we find ourselves being lulled into a state of slumber. Jesus tells his disciples in the gathered crowd in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 42, watch therefore. You don't know the hour that your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good men of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched. It's profound, right? It's, it's deep. He would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken in. If I knew that at mile marker, whatever it is, you're going to fall asleep, you better believe a mile marker ahead of time. I'd have the windows down, the music cranked. I'd be slapping myself. I'd be pounding a Red Bull. I would be awake. But Jesus tells us we don't know when the house is going to be broken into. You don't know the moment that the enemy is going to choose to attack. And you don't know the moment that a trumpet is going to sound and the dead in Christ are going to arise first. And so the only recourse we have is to watch. 
and to wait and to be spiritually alert and spiritually awake and looking for that day. Jesus goes on and says, therefore, be ye also ready for in such an hour as you think not the son of man cometh. Again, nobody in this room is going to make the decision and say, "Ah, I'm just going to go to sleep until I hear that trumpet. But it happens slowly. It happens daily. It happens in every moment of our lives. There's a lulling effect. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord made ruler over all of his household to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. What is he doing? He's watching. He's alert. He's awake. God's looking for a people that will be watching even in 20 and 22. He's looking for men and women that are going to be spiritually alert. You want to know why God seems to speak to the same people over and over sometimes? It's because they're awake and they're watching. They've got their garments on, they've got the lamps burning, and they're watching at the door for the knock of the master. Because when the master knocks on the door of his house, he doesn't want to wait outside for everybody to wake up inside so that he can be let in. When the master comes knocking, he expects that door to open to him, and he expects to be met by his servants who have been alert and waiting and watching for his coming. And Jesus said in verse 47, I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. The irony of this is that Jesus would pray alone just after this parable, his closest friends and followers succumbing to slumber in the garden. He just told them, stay awake, stay alert. And in his hour of greatest need, his closest friends slept. We're not the only people that battle it. But we're not any different than Peter, James, and John. It's easy for us to point the finger at them and say, man, they slept on Jesus in the garden. How many times has Jesus come to us and spiritually we've missed it because we've been in slumber? We live in a dark time spiritually. John chapter 3 and verse 19 says that this is the condemnation. Light has come to the world and men love darkness rather than light. Their deeds were evil. Everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. We already read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 that Christians are not of the darkness. They are to be of the day. They are to be awake, to be sober. We are to be a light to this world. Not long after my incident of falling asleep and almost rolling my car right before my wedding... I learned a skill in Iraq. I learned how to stay awake in a vehicle. We, uh, we were a, a route clearance unit, and so that means we spent a lot of time on the road driving at about 15 kilometers an hour max. If you've ever driven for 12 hours at about 15 kilometers an hour, we would take it up to about 25 kilometers an hour that in areas that we knew were a little bit less risky. Well, that's pretty slow. And there's a steady hum, and you're warm, and you're comfortable, and you just ate pizza at Fob Warhorse. You get back in the vehicle, and the sun is setting, 
is real easy to go to sleep. Sleep and slumber runs a very high risk of danger. We were there for a purpose. We were there for a reason. We were to be watching the roads, the ditches, the the approaches. We were to be scanning all of that for improvised explosive devices. But I tell you what, when you do it long enough, even in that setting, your eyes grow heavy with sleep. But to fall asleep in that setting was literally to risk life and limb. It's not any different in the spirit. If you allow yourself spiritual sleep and slumber, you are running a very real risk of danger. Routine can quickly become our ruin if we don't stay alert. If we don't force ourselves to discipline this flesh, not to go to sleep, not to just settle back, but get on the edge of the seat and focus once again on that roadway and focus on the side of the road and be looking. Why? Not just for my own survival. But for the survival of everybody in that convoy, the people behind me, the people in the front, man, I tell you what, being in the front gun truck put a a heightened sense of alertness on you because if anything happened, it was probably going to happen to you. And so you're the first set of eyes there. But I rode in the very back. I was the very back seat most of the time, but in the very back, there were still threats and there were still things that could happen to that group of guys. And so I learned, though I was usually, I was a medic, so I had no job responsibilities until something crazy happened, but I learned how to stay awake. It would have probably even been acceptable for me to go to sleep, but I wanted to be a part of it. I wanted to be awake. And so I learned how. I learned one thing I can do, and this is both practical and then we're going to talk about the spiritual. I learned that it is impossible to fall asleep with a cheek packed with sunflower seeds. You cannot do it. You've got this cheek, and if you do it for about an hour, now that cheek is like raw and bloody, and it's fan. You cannot fall asleep. I don't care if you've been awake for 24 hours. If you've got a cheek full of sunflower seeds, you're not going to sleep. And so I learned how to chew on sunflower seeds. You know, it helped that there were uh, energy drinks for free in the chow hall. We would uh, at long, long times begin to have, uh, they were rippets. They were called rippets, the eight ounce cans, the short, fat eight ounce cans. And we would begin to have a contest to see who could drink them the fastest, to see who could drink the most. Um, it's probably what damaged me to caffeine. But I learned how to chew to stay awake. Sunflower seeds. And spiritually, if you'll allow me to be silly for a little bit, but spiritually there's an application to that. Spiritual slumber can be avoided if you'll learn to chew on the Word of God. It is impossible for you to spiritually go to sleep when you are constantly consuming the word and the commands and the warnings from Scripture. Joshua 1 and 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, so you can observe to do according to all that is written therein. Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. David wrote in Psalm 119 and 148, Mine eyes prevent the night watches that I might meditate in thy word. When you feel 
slumber beginning to come on, it's time to begin to open the pages of the word. When you don't feel anything in the presence of God and your prayer time starting to get a little bit boring and you, you haven't been in the, the presence of the most high in a while. It's time for you to open the word of God and prevent the night watches by beginning to read through it and meditate on it and begin to chew on it throughout your day. Not just one moment in the day. Don't confine him just to one 20 minute block of your day, but chew on it all day long and consume it all day long and write down the questions that you have and meditate on it. Let it run through your mind while you're at work. That verse Verse that you read in the morning, you're just letting it guide your day. You're letting it flow. And you'll find out very quickly, it's impossible for you to spiritually slumber when the word of God is just running through your mind and your heart and you're building your life upon it. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in that law, he will meditate day and night. When others are being lulled to sleep by the entertainment and the things of this world, you're going to remain spiritually awake because the word of God is being chewed on and it's being meditated on and you're holding it fast to your heart and it's working inside of you. God will begin to speak to you about this present day. Don't make the mistake of thinking this is a book written 2,000 years ago when it's got nothing for us today other than salvation. No, when the word is your focus, God will begin to apply that word to today and tomorrow and to down the line. When that word is your focus and you're chewing on it, God will begin to reveal to you his plans. How do you stay awake? We learn to talk. Talk about anything. When you've been in a vehicle with the same people for 16 hours and you haven't gotten out of the vehicle in over eight hours, you run out of conversational topics pretty quickly. And so you learn to just talk. You talk to each other. You talk about the mission. You talk about the road. You talk about what's going on. You talk about home. You talk about anything. You just talk to each other to stay awake. Talk to people in this church. Have spiritual conversations. If you don't have any spiritual questions, it's not because you have all spiritual knowledge. It's because you haven't been chewing on the word and you haven't been talking enough. And so you haven't even considered spiritual questions. If you, if you have no questions, that's a place of danger. You need to dive into God until questions begin to arise and then go to a trusted brother or sister. Go to a leader with those questions. Go to the Lord with those questions and begin to talk to him. Write down your questions. Ask him. Pray those questions to him and then write down what he says. Write down his answers. God wants to talk with you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to talk about his word to you. He wants to hear there's nothing too big or too small for you to take to the Lord. You see, it's supposed to be a lifestyle of prayer. It's supposed to be a lifestyle where it's not just a, again, a time of the day. But we're a people given to prayer. Prayer is not something that we block off on, though we should, don't, don't interpret me wrongly, you should schedule a prayer time in your day. 
But that should not be the only time. Because if you're going to remain awake all the way through the day, there need to be moments where you plug back in to the presence of God. Yes, there needs to be a disciplined, scheduled time where you set a minimum time of prayer. Now, that's minimum. All right, that's the, the, the floor of what I'm going to pray. And it would be healthy for each of us to set a minimum floor of at least 30 minutes a day of prayer. That's, I mean, that's just an arbitrary number, yes. But uh, if we could go an hour, even better. But not just in that moment, but throughout the day, we're reconnecting. Throughout the day, we're continuing instant in prayer. Everything, every question, every concern, every care, every anxiety, talk about it to the Lord. I'm somewhat convicted that people don't think I'm crazy because I'm praying all the time. Who cares what your coworkers think? Maybe you're over there running a machine at work and maybe you're driving a forklift or you're, you're teaching some kids and you got a quiet moment and they can see your lips moving. Are you talking to yourself? No, I'm talking to the Lord. I'm praying. I'm going after God. You want to stay awake spiritually? Talk and let God talk. God will help you to stay awake. You want to stay awake? Serve. Serve the kingdom. Serve others. And kingdom productivity will stir something inside of you. Being busy for the kingdom of God will help you to stay spiritually awake. Especially if you're making sure to get the word and prayer in your life. Now, if you're just doing it out of discipline and you're just doing it out of obligation and you're doing it with a poor attitude, then you're already spiritually asleep. But God, as you begin to do the simple tasks of the kingdom, will open doors for you if you're awake. And you'll be able to walk through them because here you are engaging your hands in kingdom business. If you need something to do, if you need some way to be more involved with the kingdom of God, please don't hesitate to ask me. I would love to find places and avenues, opportunities for everybody to have some part, some piece to play, not only in this church, but in the kingdom at large. There is so much work. It was the prayer of Jesus Christ. He told us to pray for labor. That has not changed in 2,000 years. There is a need of people to labor in the kingdom. It's really hard to go to sleep in the middle of the workday when you're engaged in labor, when you're engaged in a task. Take care of your life. Don't let the cares of life take you. One of the Risks that Jesus told us about in the parable of the seed and the sower. In Mark chapter 4 and verse 19, he said, The cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. I believe one of the greatest causes of saints in this day and age in the context and country that we live in going to sleep would be our desperate desire for entertainment. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things entering in. There should be nothing in our life that we pursue to the degree that we pursue God. Not a degree, not wealth, not Instagram notoriety, not joy from physical things, that new boat. Nothing in my life 
should be pursued to the level that God is pursued. It should be the greatest hunt of my life. How can I get closer to God today? I don't have the study referenced in my notes here, but I've talked about it in the past. They have found that we have an attention span that is less than that of a goldfish. The average American, I believe it was actually an American and Canadian study, if I remember correctly, we can look it up afterwards if you want, was found to have an attention span of about eight seconds. That's wild. And from waking moment to moment we physically go to sleep, we're inundated with images and entertainment. And as the active move of the Holy Ghost decreases in our life, the need for entertainment will increase. And we will find ourselves, again, you're, you're never going to consciously make the decision, all right, for the next month, I'm just going to binge on all of the entertainment and spiritually go to sleep. But that's exactly what happens unconsciously. Yes, along the way, each day we make decisions. And I'm, I'm not saying don't ever be entertained. Don't ever find a place of rest. Again, you need rest. But what you rest into is critically important. What you do for physical rest should not create a barrier for spiritual alertness. You should not have to pray through after your period of physical rest. That's... That's, that's nonsensical. It's defeated the purpose. There are things we can do for physical rest that allow us to still remain connected and close with the Lord. And the entertainment of this world is not one of them. I, I, this, I'm not even in my notes. I didn't intend to go this hard right now, but I feel the Holy Ghost so strongly. Hollywood hates everything we profess to stand for. The, the, the media, the system of this world hates everything that you you profess to believe. They do not like you. And given a moment, like if you will put your head up and get enough attention, they will do everything they can to destroy you and destroy your beliefs and to silence you. Find a way to relax and rest that does not involve spiritual slumber. And you will find yourself far more alert in your spiritual life. If your prayer life is struggling, how are you relaxing physically? How are you resting physically? Tweak that knob and you'll find yourself more connected to the King of Kings on a regular basis and you'll find your mind able to focus. I find it interesting, and I close with this, that every social media application, and really every streaming service is structured intentionally to keep your attention as long as possible. It is a battle, a literal battle for your mind. You are in a battle for your mind. Again, I'm not, I'm not coming at anybody. I'm not attacking anything other than making aware it's all structured to keep your attention and to keep you clicking and to keep you scrolling as long as possible because they can gather your information and they can dump advertising in front of your eyes. And it works. And it's the culture that we live in. But Jesus said, 
Jesus said we are to be sober. We are of the day. We are not to be sleeping as others do, but we are to be watching and we are to be sober. We should not be overtaken by the day of the Lord, but the children of God, though they know not the specific day and hour, should not be surprised when the trumpet sounds. They should be ready. They should be watching. When the Lord comes and knocks on the door of this church, there's going to be people that are up with their loins girded, with their lamps burning, and they're going to be watching. Because I believe this is a church filled with people that have a desire to serve the kingdom of God, a desire to push forward in the kingdom, a desire to work together to expand and to grow the kingdom. Let's all stand together today. Talking about spiritual slumber. I'm not coming after your Sunday afternoon nap. Go home. Take a Sunday afternoon nap. You deserve it after a Sunday good, a good Sunday service. But spiritually, let's stay awake. Let's stay intense. Let's stay sober. Let's watch. Because the risk of going to sleep is far too great. It will affect more than just you. It will affect everybody else in this church. When you go to sleep spiritually, somebody next to you is affected. Because there's a weak spot in the armor. When your shield falls, the person to your left and right are now vulnerable on their flanks. But when you're awake and you've got the armor of God on and you've got your shield up, you are defending, you are creating a wall of faith. You're creating a wall of power for your brother and for your sister. And together, a church will be awake and alert and seeking and waiting anxiously for that day when Jesus comes back for his church.